Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining me this week on Tia Time. We'll get to the show in just a moment. First, I wanted to say thank you to all of you who have posted a rating on Apple Podcast. Apple Podcast is an app that can be downloaded to your phone or computer. The algorithm it uses allows more artists and art enthusiasts like yourselves to hear about the show. So if you haven't posted a rating yet, do it now. Thank you. On with the show. Welcome to Tia Time with Artists, the weekly podcast where we discuss the methods, challenges, and real-life experiences of living our creative dreams. What kind of creative warrior are you? Musician? Filmmaker? Painter? Choreographer? Poet? Sculptor? Fashionista? Let's talk about it right now. I'm your host, Tia Imani Hanna. Welcome to Tia Time. This week, my guest is Penny Wells, who is an amazing singer, songwriter, producer, and counselor, and my sister. Welcome, Penny. Hey, sister. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. So I am just really glad to have you here so we can have a nice conversation and the folks out there get to listen in a little bit. So here we go. (laughs) So I wanted to ask you, we grew up in the same household. We know some of the same stories, but even though we're the children of the same parents and lived in the same house, we have different stories to tell. So I wanted to hear your take on what gravitated you towards singing as opposed to, because you also play the violin Mm -hmm. and you play the piano. First off, I'm the baby of the family. And so I got a chance, an opportunity to watch my older siblings be musical. And as I, w- I came along, I got to, my our brother played the saxophone and oboe and piano. And, and then you were playing the violin and uh, piano and Jeanette, flute and piano. And so I got an opportunity to see how you all were on your instruments. And one of the biggest things, we talk about singing, but singing wasn't my first voice. Even though I sang, I wasn't really considered a singer until much later. But it was you, Tia. It was my big sister was playing the violin and I wanted to be just like her. (laughs) (laughs) And so I really got my musical ears from listening to you. And when I tell you, Tia, you're a bad girl. Uh, and and they've always been very proficient in everything you do. <laughs> I was like, okay, so how can I be like that? Because I was the younger sister just messing up every step of the way. And um, really, music was just, it, it was so ingrained, like you said, in our lives. I can remember being out on our swing sets in the backyard, yeah, just being free. That was like the greatest moments in, in my life thinking back, we were free and we were singing and making up songs like didn't make any sense and yeah. um, and harmonizing and just music. Dad playing classical music through the house. Mom playing the guitar, singing Joan Baez songs on the stairs. I don't know if you remember that kind of stuff. I missed that. She did. Oh, I don't my remember goodness. that. Yeah, she would yeah. sit on the stairs and she was playing Kumbaya and just beautiful songs. And it was just ingrained. And but I specifically remember me and you sitting, uh, swinging on the swing set and, <laughs> yeah. and making up songs. And how, and Jeanette might've been there too. Yep. Jeanette but, was there. Yep. But we would make up the funniest kooky songs. And that was just so freeing. 
I said, I knew that I wanted to do this and I want to do music, period. It's just, what is life without it? True that. Well, we used to be on the swing set. I remember dad gave us one of those Fisher Price wind up music boxes (laughs) and it just played one song over and over. And it had a little picture wheel that went around when it played the tune. And we would sing it on the swing set. We'd just be singing it back and forth. We ain't got me back without it. Over and over and over. Uh, (laughs) That is hilarious. I didn't realize that that makes sense. Okay. That's the song that it was. And it's just so funny because you recently recorded that song. So let's have a listen to it right now. Here here it goes. Being free on the swing set was was really a riot. And PBS was another thing I know we used to watch the show called The Big Blue Marble. I don't remember that one. That was five before me. No, we were all there together. There was a song and we sang that on the swing set too. But and it was about the earth being a big blue marble. It was like an ecological show. I know PBS. But we liked the song, so we just sang the song over and over. Right. Over but you were really little, but we did sing it. So you remember how it goes? <laughs> Big blue marble finds us when we're going far away. And will will something. Da, da, da. Oh wow! <laughs> sing it over and over. That's so funny. I did. I remember the song, Free to Be Just You and Me. Now, that was one of those, I think it was a PBS special uh, or one of those shows, Free to Be Just You and Me, Free to Be. The word free for me, it's so synonymous with my childhood and with music, freedom. I I don't know if you know this, but my personal symbol is the kite because it signifies freedom and just allowing myself to be. And for so long growing up, I I felt restricted. I felt judged. I felt so many different things as a as an artist, as a musician, as a singer. And it wasn't until I was able to find my voice that I felt that freedom. And so even fast forward, my very first CD and single is free to walk away. So that word has a lot of meaning for me as I'm even talking to you, I see where I feel so much joy and happiness from knowing that I can be free 
And freedom is really a, a state of mind. I, and I work on that in myself all the time. And so that hope comes through in my music. But yeah, freedom, being free. Now, I wonder, what is it you're being free from? Constructs. Okay. Judgments. Because as an artist, it's everything to be free, to be creative, to do exactly what's in your heart to do. Mm-hmm. As opposed to lining up with the commercial music, what's out there. Following this formula that everybody says is the formula to, be, to get a hit record. And that's, that had to go out the window for me because I was like, there is no satisfaction in that. I would not re-record something because some executives in industry said, oh, you know, try this. That's not right. No, if it doesn't resonate with you, it doesn't resonate with you. But this is my creation and I have the freedom. I've created this and take it or leave it. And that's where I am in my musical journey at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Which it took a long time to get there, but that's where I am right now. Let's talk about that journey a little bit. So mm-hmm. you were more into playing the instruments because of watching us and ahead of you coming up. But what happened <laughs> that you differentiated <laughs> off into really just being uh, a singer? Yes, that's a great question, Pia, <clears throat> because that was it was a pivotal moment in my life where I change from being an instrumentalist into a singer. And like I said, I was a late bloomer with singing. I went all the way through, I did some singing with choirs and such in elementary school, middle school, did a couple of solos, but nothing to speak of. But when I turned around, I think it was like 13 or 14, I was a part of a group called Teen Profile. And they really nurtured young teens to communicate and to, we, it was a TV show. We did a radio show and we had a TV spot on channel 62. And I was a part of this community of students. So channel 62, WGPR, channel 62 on Jefferson, in Detroit. Um, okay. Detroit. And there were Mary, Dr. Mary Wilson, Dr. Wilkes and Sylvia Moy, who was a prominent producer of Motown music. She was actually a co-writer on uh, CV Wonders, uh, My Sharia Moore, and uh, You Are the Sunshine of My Life. Mm. And she decided that she was going to take some of us students that were in this communications program that had more abilities. And so I, I was a violinist and she heard me play but she took some of us to record in her studio. And it was amazing because this was a Motown studio where lots of greats recorded. And we had the opportunity to go to her home and, and record. And so that was an amazing 
thing. But at that point, my vocal skills had not reached the level that some of the other students had. Yet she still gave me the opportunity to record. But knowing that I was a violinist and she thought that was amazing, she really wanted to support me and tell me to not give up on my violin. And but I, as a 13 year old, mistook that for saying you're not really good enough to sing. You probably should stick to your violin. And probably unbeknownst to her, she has since passed on. And I said I was going to have a conversation with her. I never had that conversation. But her words to me did change how I looked at my singing and versus playing. And I wanted to sing. I I love to sing and I really wanted the opportunity to. And I never wanted anyone to tell me that I shouldn't do it. (laughs) And so I was thinking, that's what she was saying. Well, who are you to tell me? And so I'm stubborn like that. Don't tell me what I can't do because then that's going to be the thing (laughs) that I do. Mm -hmm. And so from there, I actually started pulling away from the violin, not practicing as much. And singing a lot more. But actually, I didn't really do a professional gig until I graduated from high school. Developing my voice that whole time and singing background, doing sessions. My first professional gig was, well, I shouldn't even say first because I've. Well, okay. I didn't mean to interrupt you too much here. I just have a question about how did you get to background singing on gigs for anybody in high school? What happened? Somebody said, oh, sing background for us. What did, or did you seek out auditions? How did you get to that point? There was a community of musicians from high school that I ran into and we worked together on small things. And it wasn't like uh, top tier background kind of work. It was just people trying things and recording going and doing things and asking if I could come in and sing with the choir and do some background parts on this. And one of my friends, Ron Mitchell, I went to high school with who was since he's really well in California. And, but he put a, put together a band and I was one of his background singers. Mm-hmm. And hence I actually met Al McKenzie okay. through that band. Cause Ron Mitchell was in, what was the name? I wasn't in a part of the program, but it was a program that was in Detroit and it nurtured young artists festival okay. festival. And it was, they employed young artists in the city of Detroit and they actually got paid to perform. They would go down to Hart Plaza and have groups. They had dance, they had music, of course, And I think there was acting, theatrical performances. And these kids actually went in and got paid to do this. Our parents, of course, wouldn't sign off on (laughs) the paperwork (laughs) to do it. So I couldn't be a part of it. And But there were so many people that came through that program. And so Al McKenzie was one of those people that I met through Ron Mitchell. And how did I meet? It's just a, a network of people that are doing music, you're doing music, come on, do this with me. Okay. Because so it it, we're, we're talking at high, high school level, right? So that yeah, was, was right after high school. Okay, right after. I graduated high from high school. I mm-hmm. see. Okay. I was just trying to get the timeline yeah, so yeah. to understand how that 
worked out because people listening don't know how people start. Right. Folks always tell the same story. I was waiting tables and then I was a star. And, and you're like, wait, what happened in between there? If you were like me, like I'm stuck here right now, what do I do? How do I get from where I am now to where you are? And uh, so what was the progression? So thank you for sharing yeah. how that community was building and what was going on from there. Yeah. Even before that, my first band was, there were people from Cast Tech and from Mumford. Where else? I think it was just Cast Tech and Mumford. We had a band during the summer and we got together because, I don't know, somebody knew somebody. Oh, Stacey Williams was my good friend from junior high and she went to Cast. And uh, me and Lori, Lori Adams, Lori Kisner, now we went to Mumford and Stacy brought the, the two worlds together. And so she was, Stacey's, oh, there's a band and they're looking for singers out of cast. And are you interested? There's a wedding they have to prepare for. And oh my goodness, Randy Pertit would pick each one of us up one by one in his big station wagon Every day in this, it was a summer of, oh my God, 87 or something like that, 1987 (laughs) and picked us. We spent almost the entire summer together and he would pick each one of us from the east side of Detroit to the west side. And he had this whole route that he would follow every day. And it would take, it would take two hours. (laughs) 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 To pick everybody up. And then we would rehearse at his house and he lived on the borderline of Dearborn. Oh my goodness. In Detroit. <laughs> so you can imagine, but we had all bought that was the best summer ever. And I met these amazing musicians. Mark Magruder on keys, Greg Freeman on drums. Who else? It was Randy Petit played trumpet. And then it was the ladies. And so we just had such a ball and we met these guys and we had our first gig. His sister's wedding was a gig. And then we started performing at the cellar. It was a club in downtown Birmingham. Okay. And it was actually down in the basement in this cellar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there were probably five people there. <laughs> <laughs> oh. but yeah, yeah. So that's how it happens. It's like, we cre- young people are creating their own opportunities and just coming together that energy, that synergy that just created momentum. Cause initially it was just the wedding that we were preparing for. But then since we had been prepared, why not try to do other things? And so mm-hmm. we reached out and got that. And then we ended up going to Michigan state, you know, I remember and, seeing yeah. you there at the Kiva. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And Ron Mitchell was there too singing. <laughs> I think there was like four people there too, but it was yeah. a nice, you know, I was like, oh, I told everybody I knew and I was there and it's like, oh, I felt bad there wasn't a bigger audience, but you guys were great. We were excited. Yeah. We were just, ooh, we got out of Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was a good show. I remember that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I was at school there at that time. At this point, were you taking private lessons with anybody or were you, you know, to develop the singing more because you had that stubborn streak to prove Sylvia Moy wrong. There's a point around this age, 18, 19, I had not had any formal training and I started to branch out on my own 
And my Al McKenzie, he was the one that always pushed me because I was singing mostly background. I would do maybe one or two lead songs, but he was like, you need to sing more. Okay. And in the paper or something. And they were looking for a singer. And it was a band called Jamask. And it was two guys and two girls, two black, two white. (laughs) And we hit like the hotel circuit. Ah. And I was singing like, do you want to ride in my Mercedes, boy? Right, <laughs> right. Oh, my God. Hilarious. We would go to Joanne's and wear these, like, cheesy outfits with the puff sleeves and the little bolero jackets. And, <laughs> <laughs> and But I mentioned all of this because that was formative. And I blew my voice out. I was singing in the clubs. They had, they turned their music up so loud and I just wanted to please. I was like, this is my first real gig. And and I was singing five nights a week. And this is before they took the smoke out of the clubs. And there was smoke in the rooms and yelling, went to this microphone, dancing and just, and so exhausted that I started to ruin my voice. And I noticed I started getting a huskiness and um, my speaking voice was affected. And so I did that for about a straight year and I, I grew nodules. Wow. Okay. So that was major like identity shift to have your voice taken, just gone. Right. Thing. And so I went through a depression and I had to completely stop. Luckily, the damage wasn't too bad that I had to have surgery. But then I was referred to a speech language pathologist, which I was like, what are you doing? Oh, my goodness. That's amazing. And so she shared with me about good vocal hygiene. Mm -hmm. That was the technical term. But I wasn't drinking water. The smoke was drying my folds, my vocal folds. So, and the singers, as you may know, they need more water than the average person because that's your instrument. You need water to fill those folds right? so that when they close, there's not friction. They need to be supple. And I didn't get all of that. That was an education for me. And so I learned about easy onset of voice, you know, how to, because Michiganders have that hard glottal attack. And right. I learned about, yes, no, and just, ah. and learning about that, it created a new style of my singing. And uh, I wasn't, you know, right. smooth. And that went, so then that's when the training became the imperative. So I gave myself a year break from singing. And then actually I did some gospel stuff that was a lot that's when I started getting more to the spiritual side of singing because it didn't demand so much on my voice. And I did some musical things and background and choir stuff. But yeah, then I started getting training because I thought it was really important. I hated the way I felt not being able to sing. I felt like I had no other purpose. And if I don't have my voice, then what is there? really lost. So I did start with a couple of people I tried out. This guy named Eric Bruner, 
And I was with him for a short period of time, but he talked about speech level singing. And you probably have talked, heard about that. There's a whole, like the stars use this method, pretty similar to singing the way you speak. Okay. And uh, I did some things with him and that was fine, but it wasn't exactly what I was looking for. Then I found the diva. <laughs> she changed my life. Wayne State's vocal director, Frances Brockington. Because okay. I was working for Wayne State. She was right there. I had access to her. And I went, I used to go on my lunch hour and go and work out with her. Mm-hmm. And she had me sweating. I have never heard, who, why am I sweating? Why is sweating running down my legs while I'm singing? <laughs> Because she had me working. She's like, you don't just sing. It's it's a, There's an active process that's going on. Right, <laughs> right. To support this instrument. And she really shared that with me. And so I, I really overcame those nodules. And I have to be very cautious even to this day. Because once you have them, there is a likelihood if, for them to reemerge. So... You have to be cautious, not to shout, not to strain. So that's always in the back of my mind. Now, is that part of your daily practice today? Do you do a vocal warm-up every day? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> You know what? (laughs) You you wanted me to give you a profound. (laughs) Well, you gave me such a great story about that. I I thought that you must do this every day. (laughs) (laughs) Knowing is half the battle. Okay. And so I use my, it's, it's muscle memory. And because I sing often, my voice has, you know, moved into that mode where it knows what to do. And if I'm finding that I'm having struggles, I do work through some of my warmups. And, but I'm really cautious about dairy products that kind of cut my things where that can clog me up and cause drainage or any of that, that kind of stuff. So I'm very aware of that. I know I'm supposed to drink more water. So Francis Brockington gave me a formula. 0.006 times your weight in ounces of water. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, Francis Brockington. She would always, 0.006 times your weight. <laughs> that's what you should be drinking daily. Okay, so that's Francis Brockington. Yeah, I hope I'm quoting you right. I hope it wasn't 0.06. <laughs> well, huh? <laughs> uh, I'm almost fifty. Forgive me. Drink water. <laughs> drink water. Just drink water. That's the that's the narrative. That's the thing. Okay. <laughs> so you met Al, and then eventually you all got married. So you knew him for a long time before you got married. Then. Yes, Al McKenzie became my mentor my musical director, my friend, and just a very valuable person in my life. I think that people are here in your life to teach you lessons, whether it's whether their presence was a negative 
thing or positive thing. I think it's all positive because you learn from each interaction that you have with people. But Al McKenzie was such a positive, I mean, from the very onset, I told you that he would make sure that he said, if you want to sing, don't play around. Don't act like if you want to sing lead, you got to sing lead. If you're going to be a background singer, then just sing background. So when he would play sometimes with Millie Scott and Orthea Barnes, he would have me, he would ask their permission. Uh, they'd be at Pegasus, down at the Fisher Building or Club Penta, <clears throat> no matter where he was. And I'd go and visit and, and watch them. He would ask if I could come up and sing. And he would have me sing Get Here. And that was our favorite song to be just play because he was actually the first person that recorded my demo. Yeah. And uh, he was the very first person to record my demo, which I recorded. I'm coming back. No, I'm not coming back. No. It was a Layla Hathaway tune. But Get Here was one of the songs that we recorded. So no matter what he said, I know she knows that song, so she can't say no. Come up here and sing the song. Right. So he was very motivational for me, always believed in me. And we, we hadn't seen each other maybe in 15 years when we ran into each other again. Okay. And Al McKenzie had recorded some great music and he was his music was being played on the radio and I, I heard it one day and I said oh my god Al McKenzie's on the radio oh shoot let me find his number I went in my phone I'm like oh I hope this number still works and I called him because I was so excited because you know I knew that he was he always was in my corner and and I called him and he picked up the phone and you know what I didn't think anything of it at the time, but later on, he told me, he says, it's just a miracle that we connected. That was the home phone number. I never answered the home phone number. Hmm. And at the time he was on the road with the Temptations, he was the musical director of the Temptations and he was gone maybe 320 days out of the year. Wow. So for me, it was just like, ah, right. it was sure. meant to be. And we never lost touch after that. And he, like the very next day he came over and he's like, what you doing? Show me what you're doing. Let me hear what you're doing. And I had just recorded Free to Walk Away with Randy Scott. Mm. Randy and I did, had done that production together. And for whatever reason, it stopped there. And I was really looking to, I wanted to record a whole project. And it was Rosetta Hines. People were asking, they wanted more of this song. They were like, who is this girl singing Free to Walk Away? They thought I was Mesa. They thought well, all these kind of things. Like, where can we find her music? And so there was this push for me to record more music. And so Al came in at the right time and he says, I got you. Let's do it. Let's create a project around it. And that's how the story of Shine, which was our very first CD, mm. came about. And I was working at St. John's Hospital on the east side of Detroit at the time okay. as a uh, clerical person. And he would drive and come up at lunchtime and bring me some music to listen to this. What do you think of this? <laughs> and, and I would put that music in my headphones at my lunchtime and I would just be with it. And uh, it, was it was an amazing time. It was the Shine to this day is my very favorite. It's my heart because of what it meant. 
to be free. We talked about me and freedom to have a voice and actually have someone to allow me to be creative. And it was just an amazing time. And if you haven't heard it, you got to get it. Shine. <laughs> that whole CD is fire. If I, if I can say that. If you can say that. You can say that. That's all right. In my heart is fire. I've been told. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of that album was your original compositions, correct? Yes. All of it was. All of it was. So Yes. Every single one. Every single one from the heart. Fantastic. Yeah. Free to walk away. That was my permission song. <laughs> that I could walk away from whatever. Even if it wasn't right, I could go. Okay. <laughs> All right. So you go to your family and a few of your friends thinking they will embrace you, but instead they pass judgment saying you cannot do it. background singer to lead singer you perfected your vocal talents and skills you healed yourself from the nodules you mm. wrote and produced your own cd and then what happened <laughs> more of creating there was a downtime because i in between time so I have a whole other the personal side of my story. I'm a, I was a single mom. I raised my son, and then I got married to my daughter's father. And but there was a lot of understanding that, yeah, as a single mom, I had to be more. I had to work hard to make sure that we could eat. Mm -hmm. And in our family, education is important. So I started to seek out education more. I was working for Wayne State University for much of my son. My son is 29 years old now. Uh, that's amazing to say. <laughs> yep. We get no. <laughs> he was one years old when I started at Wayne State University. Okay. And, and that was my first independence but Wayne State offered me the opportunity to get an education. They paid for it because I was working as a full-time clerical staff. 
And so in between the music, I get, I love the music. Love The music is always going to be there, but I have to find a way to make sure that I can support my family, whether there's a man there or anybody else to take care of me. And I always believe that education was important. Cleopatra Jones was our grandmother. Lifelong learning, that was her thing. You're never too old. You're only as old as you <clears throat> believe you are in your mind. And, and so that really stuck with me. And so I got my degree in communication disorders because I wanted to be a speech language pathologist. Okay. <laughs> That's why I said when, she, when I met my speech language pathologist, I was like, what are you? And what do you do? And I like this. And I think I want to do. That was what I want to do initially. And I was like, then I'll be a, a, a voice coach for the stars. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that was my thinking. Sure. <laughs> but that didn't work out because... Wayne State only took 30 students a year. Okay. Wow. <laughs> That's not going to work. And I was number 200 on the waiting list. <laughs> okay. Sure. <laughs> but in the meantime, I had a chance to deal with students one-on-one, teaching them about students with speech impediments, stuttering, and even stroke patients and swallowing disorders. So all of that, and it it really makes, it's a connection to what I do, you know, musically. So it was cool, but that didn't work. So I said, what master's level program can I do that's similar? And being with people, helping people, speaking with them. And so counseling came up. Okay. (laughs) So then I went to Wayne State's counseling education. And I got my master's degree in counseling. So I was like, okay, this is now, you know, how I'm going to provide for my family. And now I can maneuver even more in my music. Mm-hmm. So then in between time, I got married and I stayed married for a while. And then I got divorced. And then <laughs> well, I was married to, to uh, Greg for 17 years mm-hmm. officially. But Al was in, he was always in my musical world, in my life, and uh, leading and guiding me. Like I said, he was the uh, Temptations musical director. I got an opportunity to open for the Temptations Mm. uh, in Philadelphia, uh, Pennsylvania. And uh, that was amazing. So a lot of doors were open by him. And uh, I know I said there's a lot of pieces there that I moved from that I wanted to touch on. But the education was key in terms of me, once again, gaining freedom, freedom. I needed to be empowered. And it's always my story. How can I be empowered? So uh, well, you're, now. you're empowering people now with your, is it a weekly meditation or a daily meditation? I forget which. My Monday affirmations. Yes. It's weekly. Okay. Yeah, and I'm excited about it, but it was born out of the COVID pandemic. And actually, I would say even before that, because there was always a nudging on my spirit to share with people about what's going on. And and I have a daily practice where I just, I stay still in the morning and I wake up and I just let, you know, things be and, and let things come to me and I breathe through it. And I'm just so amazed at the, the conversations and the thoughts that 
pop into my mind. It's my time with God, whatever you want to call it, but it really is sacred for me. And so after losing my Al, you know, we got married and that's a whole long story, but we married and, but he passed in 2019 summer. And so there's been a lot of angst for me being alone once again. And my mentor, my friend, my confidant is now gone. And how am I going to, how am I going to exist outside of him? Because he was such a powerhouse in my musical life. And he really uh, protected me from the musical world out at large. So he made sure things happened. I didn't really have to, <laughs> which, you know, that can be debilitating at times, but I found that it was, it really, his passing forced me to be something that I have not known myself to be. And so those voices that meditation was a practice that I just, okay, I have to encourage myself. I have to, what is, what do I need? What is it that the universe is telling me? And coming up with, I don't, I can't judge any of this that is happening because there's a purpose and a plan for it all. And it's like, if that, if you can get that in your life, (laughs) it was hard at first, but there's a purpose and a plan. Not me, not that it was intended for you to learn this lesson. God did this so you could learn. No, that's not. I don't think that's how it works. It's just these things are happening. Who are you going to be in the face of these happenings? Mm-hmm. And so then the pandemic comes and everyone is like, Whoa, what the heck is going on? So that already happened to me in summer 2019. I'm going, <laughs> so I've already been going through this. Sure. <laughs> And so now I'm kind of coming out of that, but I understand that now people are needing healing. They need some hope. They need something to hold on to. And, and a voice tell me, I said, Penny, this is your time to share your voice. You've been through this stuff. You know what it's like to have uncertainty, to have death, to have not knowing what's going to, how you're going to exist. And uh, so you share your voice, not only your singing voice, but your vulnerability, what you've experienced. And as I counsel with people, that is a major piece in allowing people to heal is when you have groups is sharing your story, because sometimes you feel like you're the only one going through something. Mm-hmm. And when you realize that you're not so unique, it makes you feel like, oh, okay, everybody goes through this. <laughs> and now I can normalize that and, and still exist and be and, and move in this plane. And uh, so that was, that was the charge. Share your voice, Penny. And so Facebook is, is this great platform and I, I don't very it doesn't seem like it, but I'm a shy I'm shy. <laughs> now shy for speaking, not necessarily shy for singing. And I was like, oh my God, I gotta talk on, on Facebook. 
Oh God, that's scary. But the deeper mission superseded my fear. And uh, so I'd share and I want to be vulnerable. That's my gift is I have the ability to be vulnerable and it's okay. Mm-hmm. You can't hurt my feelings because I'm in my feelings all the time. I'm going to tell you about them. I'm going to tell you about them. Here, here you go. <laughs> so, and while my sister might not be able to share that vulnerability so that I can share it for her or my brother or and share share that part so it resonates with them. Mm-hmm. And this is what I've been told, I'm, I'm finding. But not only the speaking, the musing, the meditation, but the musical underpinning to put it all together. Mm-hmm. I always say when you go to church, the message is great. But it's that music that puts it all together. It opens the heart right up. And so we can give a good message, but we need a receiving heart to really have it marinate and to sink in. So that is what my musical affirmations, listen to your ma, is all about. (laughs) (laughs) Listen to your ma. That's really cute. Yes. M.A. So that happens on Facebook Live Mondays. I don't do it live. You don't do it live? Okay, you record it. So it's just on Facebook on Mondays. Is there a particular time of day people should look for you? I try. (laughs) See, there's the kite in me again. I like to fly. So it's on Monday. It could be in the morning. It could be in the afternoon. (laughs) But look for it. it. I don't take it down. So you can always, you can see all the past ones. And I am establishing my YouTube page where I can just put that there. And my latest gift is that I'm going to be writing a book by the same name. Listen to your ma. And it's going to have musical affirmations. Uh, And so that's going to be a project all by itself too. Well, that's a great one. That's first I've heard of that. That's really exciting to hear. I I wrote forward last week. (laughs) Good job. That's great. (laughs) Really exciting. So is there anything coming up as far as on the musical? Are you working on a CD right now or a recording project? Yeah, I have been. There's a few people that have been reaching out to me to work one in particular he's charting smooth jazz and actually both of them are on the smooth jazz charts right now LaShawn Gary he's a local Emmy award winning producer pianist he we are working on a tune right now and which I will be on his project and then we've also talked about a full length project for me also, I'm working with Gil Johnson, who his story, I love his story. He's amazing. He's, a, he's probably in his mid-60s, and he was a, he owned a car dealership. And he's friends with our cousin, Tyrone. Okay, all <laughs> right. And he knew my music from years ago. He knew Shine and all that, and he loves my voice and wanted me to work on a project with him. But he's, he since sold his dealership. And is pursuing his music career. Wow. So he already released a single and it's charting on the smooth jazz uh, charts. Gil Johnson, if you ever want to look him up. And he's amazing. It's You're never too old to pursue your dreams. And I love that. It's never too late. So I'm doing, I did some background for him and we're talking about doing a duet. 
So I'd love to be a part of that. That's amazing. Just with these amazing uh, artists. Mm-hmm. And of course, Listen to Your Mind is going to be a full CD. So okay. that that is, that's it. <laughs> so where can people go online to find you? So I am on Instagram, which I'm learning to use. I throw things out there. Pennywells underscore shines. And Facebook, of course, Pennywells Roman numeral two. Yeah, those and two places. My music you can get on Amazon. You can get it on iTunes. Most digital outlets. Thank you so much for spending your time and your energy and giving us all that beautiful affirmative affirmative action. <laughs> no, <laughs> affirmative affirmation for doing your arts and for freedom. And we really appreciate what you do. And so glad to have you on my show and sharing that with my audience. So thank you oh, so much. Thank you, sister. I'm so proud of you. You're doing a great job. Well, thank you. Work. So we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll look out for the new book. And when you get that up and published, we'll have you on again. Yeah. So that'll be All great. Right, thank you. <laughs> thank you for joining us this week on Tia Time with Artist. Make sure to visit our website, tiaviolin.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes and never miss an episode. Please leave us a rating wherever you listen to podcasts. We really appreciate your comments and will mind them to bring you more amazing episodes. I would like to thank this inaugural season sponsors, the folks at Jazz Lines of Ben Michigan or JAM. Michigan Art Share, a program of Michigan State University Extension, is a partner in supporting the Tia Time podcast and Sham Bones Music. Without their support, this podcast would not be possible. Thank you so much. If you would also like to contribute to the show, you can find us on Patreon.com. If you want to continue the conversation about topics discussed in the show or start new ones with like-minded people, join us at the Tia Time Lounge on Facebook. Thank you for listening. See you next week at Tia Time Thank you for joining us this week on Tia Time with Artist. Make sure to visit our website at tiaviolin.com where you can subscribe to the show and never miss an episode. Please leave us a rating at Apple Podcasts to expand the reach of the show. We really appreciate that help. And we'd also like to say thank you so very much to our sponsors, Michigan ArtShare, a program of Michigan State University Extension, and Cold Plunge Records. And also all of our Patreon supporters. We couldn't do it without you. Thank you. We'll see you next week at Tea Time.